The Yesterday and Today podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun compilation of chronological source materials as they pertain to the Beatles. The show is in no way affiliated with Apple Corps, nor any organization connected to John, Paul, George, or Ringo in any way, though we do consider ourselves premier members of the Bungalow Bill fan club. So kick back, turn off your mind, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show. Yesterday and Today, 1984, Episode 2, Steppin' Out. In this episode, we will cover the months February through May. Britain's top ten to this moment. At number ten, here comes the rain again by the Eurythmics. Duran Duran, a new moon on Monday at number nine. At number eight, Feels Like Heaven from Fiction Factory. At seven, Holiday by Madonna. At six, that's Living Alright, Alfreda St. Pet by Joe Fagan. At five, the Thompson Twins and Dr. Doctor. Four, Break My Stride, Matthew Wilder. At three, Girls Just Wanna Have Fun by Cindy Lauper. At number two, Radio Gaga by Queen. And still at number one, the third week, Frankie Goes to Hollywood and Relax, which, because of the nature of the lyric, we do not think suitable for broadcasting. There's yet unsigned band from Liverpool. They're called Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Shoot in the right direction. Make, making it your intent. Live for the streams. Scheme those schemes. Gotta end it. 
Paul McCartney. I tend to like all the bands who can really play well. So I like people like Thompson Twins, I like Howard Jones, I like Police, I like Devo. I like Talking Heads a lot. And you may find yourself living in a shotgun shack. And you may find yourself in another part of the world. And you may find yourself behind the wheel of a large automobile. And you may find yourself in a beautiful house with a beautiful wife. And you may ask yourself... February 1984 had arrived and with it came a new wave of music. It has also been 20 years since the Beatles came to America on February 7th. Ladies and gentlemen, the Beatles! To celebrate, Capitol Records reissued the Beatles single I Want to Hold Your Hand, complete with original black and white picture sleeve. the country, there is a 20th anniversary celebration taking place in the media as well. Well, 20 years ago today, an invasion force was preparing to attack America. The force was a small one, just four young men, but the weapon was powerful, rock and roll music. Ringo, George, George. Friday, February 7th, 1964. The Beatles land in New York. The Meet the Beatles album and I Want to Hold Your Hand have topped the million mark less than a month after their release here. Beatlemania is on in the United States. Looking back at those days through the filter of 20 years and now the tragedy of December 1980, there's a wistful sadness along with the happy innocence of the time the Beatles were young. And so were we. happened 20 years ago this weekend, not far from here, at an airport newly named for John F. Kennedy. It may be hard to believe it's been 20 years since all that, but it's even harder to believe that the Beatles have not existed as a group for 14 years. And they played their last live concert in 1966. But they've managed to rack up sales of more than 200 million records. The Beatles' 20th anniversary celebration continues on February 17th as Mark and Carol Lapidus present Beatlefest 84. It was 20 years ago today. My friend Chuck and I attend this year's three-day fest on Saturday, which is held at the New Jersey Meadowlands Hilton Hotel in Secaucus, New Jersey with some very special guests. Michael McCartney, or Mike McGear as he was known for years, 
will be sharing his memories growing up with his famous brother Paul. Mike may also be persuaded to sing. guests include Harry Nielsen. This will be Harry's eighth fest. Harry may also be persuaded to sing with the house band Liverpool.
Another guest include John and Yoko's friend and photographer, Bob Gruen. Bob became good friends of the Lennons in 1972 and took some of the best photos of John during his New York City years, including the walls and bridges photos. City, and I've been working as a rock and roll photographer since 1965. And uh, I didn't just visit this lifestyle as a journalist. I live it and I enjoy it. I've worked with a lot of powerful artists who have inspired the world and I've helped to promote their image. It's important for me to capture the passion and the feeling of what's going on. And my path has been through rock and roll. And I think my work is about freedom, not just pop celebrity portraits. Rock and roll for me has always been about the freedom to express your feelings very loudly in public. Now, in 1972, I was included in the first book of rock photos called The Photography of Rock. The writer for the book asked me to come with him when he interviewed John Lennon and Yoko Ono for a story about their backup band, The Elephant's Memory. The interview was at a hotel, and when we met there, he told me that John and Yoko had just woken up, and they weren't expecting a photographer. He said they were a little cranky, but don't worry, They'll wake up some more, they'll feel better, they'll let you come up and they'll let you take photos of them and they'll like your photos and they'll probably like you and you'll probably become friends because that's the way they are. I remember him saying that because that's exactly what happened. I said, I'll be in the bar and let me know when you're ready. 20 minutes later, as I was walking down the hall to meet them, I realized I was shaking from being so nervous. I knew I wouldn't be able to take photos shaking like that. So I stopped and I took a deep breath and I said to myself that it would only be all right if I relaxed and I was myself. So I went in with some confidence, and I got this shot of them. And since we were working on a story about the Elephant's Memory Band, I asked if I could come along to the recording studio that night and get photos with them and the band, and they said okay. At the end of the night, I took this photo of all of them together. And several weeks later, they contacted me and asked if they could use it in the artwork for their Sometime in New York City album. And after that, I started to visit their studio more often and work with them. They're the kind of artists I admire, encouraging people to think about peace and love. And like Pete Seeger and Bob Dylan, they were constantly being attacked for their views. Now, I enjoy being from New York, and I used to wear a New York City t-shirt like this all the time. I got several of them whenever I'd see the guys who sold them on the sidewalk in Times Square. And I used to give them to my friends, and I gave one to John Lennon. I cut the sleeves off myself with a buck knife to give it more of a New York feel. Now, I'm most well known for this photo, taken on the rooftop terrace of John Lennon's New York apartment in 1974. John had asked me to take photos for his new album, The Walls and Bridges, in a quick and simple way so he didn't have to interrupt his recording schedule. He wanted different photos of his face so you could make up different expressions by flipping the cutout strips. I put some white paper on a wall of his penthouse terrace and I did a series of shots. Then we took a few more pictures to use for publicity. And after I suggested that the shirt I had given him a year earlier would be perfect with the skyline all around us, he went and put it on and we took the shots. We had no idea it was going to become as well-known as it has. This year's Beetlefest caught the attention of the American news media, partially due to the 20th anniversary celebrations of the Beatles' arrival in America. That's called Beetlefest 84, Al Owens reports. Beatlemania was in evidence all over, as Beatles fans could find Beatles ball caps, Beatles buttons, Beatles badges, Beatles board games, and all kinds of Beatles bargains. Two dollars each. 
a Beatles bargain hunter's bonanza, like the woman who walked away with $75 worth of... Records, T-shirts, albums, records, buttons, pins, and it just adds up. Duran Duran, Cyndi Lauper, Michael Jackson, and Prince may be hot to most people these days, but to the people attending this event, the Beatles are still champions. Oh, please, say to me. There's so much in them, you know, so much in their music. You just, inspiration, everything. There will never be another group to duplicate what they've done over the years. In a short time, they've done it. The master of ceremonies this year is Jimmy Fink. Jimmy is the producer of the syndicated radio show, Rolling Stone's Continuous History of Rock and Roll. Jimmy has been part of the New York rock radio scene since 1970. He has also been the MC for the past 10 Beatlefests.
Fest 84, live from the main ballroom with Harry Nielsen and the band Liverpool. A splendid time was had by all. <laughs> On February 18th, Yoko turns 51 years old. I think she's a beautiful person and I love her very much. I hope my life is as full and active as hers at 50. My feeling is that one of the reasons that I can go on and on and on and make things and all that is because everything is in the state of flux, you know. And uh, that's what I like about things. And that's what I like about uh, what I do is because um, nothing is really stationary. It's sort of, um, I'm like a wind that goes into all different kinds of space. And that's why life is interesting. Friday, February 24th, George Harrison celebrates his 41st birthday in Hawaii with Olivia and Danny. I'd just like to say a great big thank you. Around the end of February, studio engineer John Barrett dies of cancer. This is uh, RS2 and its version 2. John had the responsibility at Abbey Road Studios for cataloging all Beatle and Beatle-related recordings up until his death, after which Mark Lewison took over the project task. I'm looking through you. Take four. John also re-engineered various Beatle recordings and put them in chronological order to tape. It's just a test. One, two, one, two, one, two, three, four. 
Barrett was only 31. Over in London on March 5th, English animator and director Jeff Dunbar wins the British Academy of Film and Television Award for Best Short Animated Film, McCartney's Rupert and the Frog Song. Hello, my name's Paul McCartney, and this is my friend Rupert the Bear. Say hello. Hello. And we're very happy that uh, we made this movie because it was a true labor of love. Rupert Bear is this little white teddy bear that I first met when I was a kid. He's been having adventures now, I think, for about 60 years with his little friends. I'm going for a walk in the hills. Do you want to come? Oh, I wish I mm. could come, but I have to do some shopping. And I have to look after baby brother. <laughs> it wasn't really till I was a bit older and I was reading one of my children, a bedtime story from Rupert, that I started to think... What a great character he could be for these days. If someone needed to animate him. To me, he's a very optimistic little fella. And that was what I liked about him as a cartoon character. So the challenge was to try and look for a really good story that um, involved a lot of the characters. So we, we came up with the short, Rupert and the Frog Song. Then you have an adventure where he goes off to somewhere sort of special, which he's always doing in the annuals. This time we had him going off into a cave deep below a mountain where the frogs are having their celebration. Frogs only beyond this point. It's not very clear how often this celebration is, but I suspect it's about once every 200 years myself. Hey, Dad, when's the show going to start? Hey, Dad. Now look, son, this only happens once every couple of hundred years. If you don't pipe down, I will, I will not bring you again. With animation, it can do anything. A camera can go anywhere. I mean, it can just swing down from the top of the tree, go underwater, come back up again. And it's that kind of magic of being able to do absolutely anything with animation that attracts me. Cheerio. Mind how you go. Now, I'd like to introduce you, Rupert the Bear. Up to the hills. I'm up for a walk, Dad. Well, you, you be careful, son. Several days later, on March 13th in London, Paul's song, We All Stand Together, that is featured in the film short, Rupert and the Frog Song, wins the Ivor Novello Award for the Best Film Theme or Song for the year 1984. George Martin accepts the award on behalf of Paul, who is home caring for Linda, as she is stricken with tonsillitis. Side by side, and in hand, we 
On March 15th in America, Polydor Records released the single I'm Stepping Out by John Lennon, backed with Sleepless Nights by Yoko Ono. This is the third single from the LP Milk and Honey. A 
single peaked at number 55 on the U.S. Billboard Top 100 charts. 
On March 21st, at an official groundbreaking ceremony, Yoko, surrounded by Sean and Julian and Mayor Ed Koch, opens the doors to Strawberry Fields, a 2.5-acre teardrop-shaped area in New York Central Park that is dedicated to the memory of John Lennon. TV, I'm J.J. Jackson, and I do have the music news for you. Strawberry Fields, New York City's memorial to John Lennon, is now under construction. Now, the memorial will be made up of plants and trees and shrubbery donated by over 100 counties, countries, I should say, from around the world. Now, there's also going to be a Strawberry Fields book as well, and Yoko Ono tells us she plans to put it together. The way to do it is uh, let each country donate a page, you know. Well, the first uh, thought was that I would have A to Z, all the countries in the book, and explain about the country itself, you know, so that uh, children would just look through it and say, oh, these are the countries that are participating, and would get interest in the countries, you see. But then when I told that to the ambassadors and all that, they said, well, why not? Could we just sort of donate one page? And, well, of course, that's better. Yeah. So each country is donating one page to describe in their own words what the country is about. Around this time, over in London, Paul McCartney films a cameo appearance for the Bob Marley promotional video to the song One Love. The video is to promote the release of Bob's LP titled Legend, and it's scheduled to coincide with that release in May. Let's get together and feel all 
In April, over at George Martin's Air Studios in London, Paul McCartney records and mixes various takes of his song, No More Lonely Nights.
English new wave band Wang Chung were recording in an adjacent studio. Left-handed bassist Nick Feldman's bass was an issue during the recordings. Learning that McCartney was finishing up in an adjacent studio, Nick asked to borrow Paul's. Paul was happy to loan Nick his famous Beatles bass. Later, it was reported in Rolling Stone magazine that MPL had sent Wang Chung an invoice for the loan. On the other side of London, after many years of vacancy and neglect, the old Apple building located at 3 Savile Row 
is sold along with other abandoned buildings on the block for 3.2 million US dollars to the Midlands Council Workers Pension Fund. In New York on April 2nd, the Supreme Court renders a decision in the case of Jack Douglas versus Yoko Ono and Len Ono Music. The judge orders Yoko Ono and Len Ono Music to pay $2,524,809 plus three years interest for the work Douglas carried out on the 1980 album Double Fantasy. The court went on to award Douglas a percentage from royalties arising from the release of the recent Milk and Honey album, which contains leftover tracks from the 1980 Double Fantasy sessions. Okay. A one, two, three, four. Peculiar, most peculiar. 
On April 6th, British author and music journalist Ray Coleman promotes his upcoming two-volume John Lennon biography on the BBC regional television program Scotland Today. Soon as you're born, they make you feel small By giving you no time instead of it all Till the pain is so big you feel nothing at all A working class hero is something to be It's in Liverpool, the city where John Winston Lennon was born in 1940, that Ray Coleman begins his two-volume biography of the most rebellious and, if we're to believe this new life, the most talented of the Beatles. Lennon's career is encrusted with myth. It's public property. But Coleman does his best to find the private man behind the public fiction. He talked long and hard to John's aunt Mimi, who brought him up in Liverpool. I think he, he really loved her strength of character, and I think that uh, because he was quite a wanderer, and, and an easy touch really, he was a softie, and he admired strength in Aunt Mimi, so she was certainly a, a massive influence on him. To contemporaries from his art school days, and to John's first wife, Cynthia, whom he met and married as a student long before the Beatles were much more than just another Merseyside band. John was quite hard and vicious and he loved to cut and run. He couldn't stand things hanging around and viciously he broke up the marriage abruptly without, without any feeling for Cynthia and perhaps more importantly for his uh, young son who at that time was three years old. John had to move on quickly. He couldn't stand uh, a divorce that would go on and on and on and uh, however cruel he would hit out either physically or mentally and get parts of his life over and done with. He did that finally with Paul McCartney when he split up the Beatles. He just was vitriolic in his letters to him. This biography's principal achievement is to rescue Yoko Ono's reputation, to explode the myth that she was an eccentric Japanese artist, much addicted to hiding under a sheet or promoting world peace by encouraging Lennon to lie in bed in public, who single-handedly destroyed the Beatles as one of the most successful rock groups ever. The book is called Lennon, The Definitive Biography. Volume 1 covers 1940 to 1966, while Volume 2 will cover 1967, to 1980. These two volumes are scheduled to be released in June. On April 26th in Liverpool, Mike McCartney unveils a statue of the Beatles sculpted by John Doubleday at the Cavern City Walks complex on Matthew Street. Cynthia Lennon is in attendance. On May 11th in America, Polydor Records releases the single Borrowed Time by John Lennon.
you know, like, what's to wear very serious, like, you know. Am I gonna get rid of the pimples? Does she really love me? All that crap. But now I don't bother about that shit no more. I know she loves me. All I gotta bother about is standing up. The 45 is released as a 7-inch and a 12-inch record. The single charted at number 32 in the UK, but failed to chart in America. Over in the UK on May 14th, Ringo Starr makes a surprise appearance as a contestant on the Thames Network television quiz show, What's My Line? Are you in... Uh, it was very long applause, so you're obviously somebody very, very popular. Are you in show business? Yes, I am. He's obviously somebody who's voicing famous, isn't he? Yeah, Barbara. And, I, and I don't think it's Donald Duck. <laughs> Do you, do, you, do, you, do you sing? Oh, my goodness. Um, are you a tremendous sex symbol? Yes. <laughs> you well beat this so, lot, Jeff. You might. couldn't be sort of a very, very sort of young-looking Paul McCartney, could you? Patrick. So, yeah. are you, were you, a Beatle? <laughs> are you a Beatle with a beard? Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, it, 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 it must be, it must be Ringo. Is that right? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I may almost have cheated you on uh, I thought I won, actually, Eamon. <laughs> I thought you won. You're yeah, letting them off light. Wow. Yeah. Good evening. That's cheap. Yes, we, that was we, very... Well, right. but you would have got it right away. Even if I did on a high, squeaky voice. <laughs> it was very good. Yes, of course. One of the Beatles. I didn't know that uh, George was very good at getting Ringo with all that help behind him, but still, <laughs> I thought he would have said Pavarotti. <laughs> well, Pavarotti and I have a lot in common. I understand. Our size. <laughs> well, you've lived all around the place. I mean, you spent a lot of time in Monte Carlo. Six years. Six years, yeah. yeah. How did you like that? Uh, Monte's okay. As long as you like to eat and <laughs> gamble. Carlo's not so good. No, Carlo's not too well. And then you had this uh, unfortunate fire in Hollywood where you lost a lot of your memorabilia. Uh, that was in the late 70s, yeah. I yeah. lost the house, never mind the drumsticks. <laughs> <laughs> And what's the, what's the next plan, Ringo? Well, the next plan, Aaron, is to dash off and watch Coronation Street. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been a pleasure meeting you. You may think he's joking. The only reason, the only condition he came here was that we would guarantee when What's My Line was over, we would have the set on so he knows that what happens, Brian and Gail, who are not... Oh, dear. Some <laughs> what a trouble there, Eamon. <laughs> 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 
She's never pleased, that woman. She's getting a bit She's getting a bit mingy. Yeah. Ringo, it's a pleasure to see you. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. On May 18th at the Phipps Plaza Cinema in Atlanta, Georgia, theatergoers are treated to the first theatrical trailer to Paul McCartney's film, Give My Regards to Broad Street. Yesterday, McCartney. All my troubles seem so far away Band on the run The man Band on the run You ain't got The mystery The music The movie Paul McCartney. Give my regards to Broad Street. Also throughout America, several television stations transmit a 30-minute program called Paul McCartney, The Man, His Music, His Movies. This segment focuses on the making of Paul's upcoming film, Broad Street. The show is hosted by Tom Bosley. The place, a crowded soundstage in London. The movie, a new musical fantasy called Give My Regards to Broad Street. The writer and star, Paul McCartney. As usual, 120% involved in his first solo motion picture project. New risks, new rewards, and a new chapter in a personal success story which began in the 1950s and hasn't stopped since. I like creating. I really do like creating a song or helping create a set or a costume or a story. So I'm going to be telling you about the song and plonking away, okay? And you can just sort of say anything you want, right? Like something like this. Paul McCartney. With the breakup of the Beatles 14 years behind him, he continues to delight and dazzle the world with his creative kaleidoscope mind. Now he's making his own kind of movies. And just like the magical mystery tours of the past, there's no limit on how far or how fast Paul's brand new big screen fantasies might take us. Whether making movies or making music or anything else, Paul McCartney walks the same independent path through life he always has. His work is his passion, with creative freedom, not money and power, as the ultimate reward. You reach a point where you think, well, what was, what was I trying to get famous for? And it was basically to get a guitar, a car, and a house. 
that was it. I could never think of anything beyond those things. I've got a guitar now, and a car, and a house. And so after that, you think, well, I mean, what is it for? You know, and it, I think what, you, what everyone dreams of winning the football pools or winning a big lottery for is to give yourself the freedom to do just what you want and to live just as you feel and not as the big boss tells you. Yesterday All my troubles seem so far away Now it looks as though they're here to stay Oh, I believe in yesterday Suddenly I'm not half the man I used to be There's a shadow hanging over me Oh, yesterday came suddenly Why she had to go, I don't know She wouldn't say Such an easy game to play Now I need a place to hide away Oh, I believe in yesterday Meanwhile, George Harrison can be found at the Chelsea Flower and Garden Show in London on May 21st. American news crews cover the event. Flower Show is the Super Bowl of the mulch and manure mob. Security is tight. These people will stoop to anything to take home a prize with their pelargoniums. A successful gardener can become a star. One ribbon from Chelsea can crown a lifetime of mucking around on hands and knees and make worthwhile all those years of battling among the slugs and the black spot and the green flies and the beetles. We've got 35 acres of all laid out gardens. But it's, uh, it's a lot of work. I don't do it on my own. I've got some gardeners as well, but it's a wonderful thing, you know. It's, it's a great um, relaxation too. And I recommend it. It's much better than all that noisy music. Spoken like an amateur, Chelsea competitors leave as little as they can to nature. They have ways of making the grass behave, and the roses rise to the occasion a month before their time. Banned from this year's show and staging a sit-in outside, a band of garden gnomes and their leaders. For some reason, they're saying no, they won't allow us in there. No, no. No, no. It's gnome way. Just gnome way. Unlike some garden statues, these gnomes seem to be decently fully dressed folk. Anyone who'd keep them out must be a real misnomer. Richard Blystone, CNN at the Chelsea Flower Show.
up in a moment. The Beach Boys send good vibrations. Please, a great big American welcome for Ring Yoko Ono releases another new Lennon song. Paul McCartney has no more lonely nights. That's it. I'll use that little riff, and I'll use that as the beginning of a song. So then I got that I can wait in her. That idea. And George Harrison sails 50 years adrift. George Harrison is in Sydney tonight, having attended a luncheon in the city earlier today to launch his memoirs. The book was written by longtime Beatle associate Derek Taylor, and it's fairly exclusive. Only 2,000 copies were printed and they sell at $375 each. Next on Yesterday and Today. Ringo, kiss me goodnight. <laughs> For more information or to contact the show, visit yesterdayandtodaypodcast.wordpress.com or email at yesterdayandtodaypodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at yesterdaypod on Twitter and search Yesterday and Today Podcast on Facebook. See you next time. Paul Kaminsky. I'm James Kaminsky. And I'm Wayne Kaminsky. And we bring you the Kaminsky family of podcasts yesterday and today and the Third Men podcast. You might know me from one of those dumb voices I do, or my dad (laughs) from his better show than ours. (laughs) Wow. And we're here to tell you about some cool merchandise you can pick up for the shows. As we mentioned in each episode, we do not in any way profit from these shows whatsoever, but to break even on some expenses, we have put up some cool merch that you can pick up to help support the show. Yes, some fun apparel, things you can put on yourself. Are we going to be selling Marks and Spence underwear? (laughs) Don't worry, we will. (laughs) You can head to our social media pages, that's facebook.com slash yesterday and today podcast, or facebook.com slash third men, or you could head to society6.com slash Kaminsky family podcast, that's society, the number six, dot com slash K-A-M-I-N-S-K-I Family Podcasts. Yeah, keep our lights on. I'm in the dark. Dad, any words of wisdom? Hello? The lights just went out. (laughs) Guys, we need your help. (laughs) Buy stuff. Perhaps a coffee mug that you can enjoy a beverage out of while listening to our shows. And if you haven't got yours, please send forth in and get a free one. All right. (laughs) Thank you, Dad. All right, we'll see you on the podcast, folks. Bye. It's audio. You can't see me.